This is Inside the Valley, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Conference, celebrating 25 years of women's athletics. As non-conference play winds down around the Missouri Valley Conference and we learn more about each team prior to the league matchups beginning, the Inside the Valley podcast will highlight each team and their performance thus far in the 2017-18 season. In this episode, we hear from longtime voice of the Bradley Braves, Dave Snell, Evansville beat writer Pat Hickey, and Art Haynes, the radio voice of the Missouri State Bears. A tradition all its own. The four days that start the madness. Ten teams, one goal. This is the Valley. This is St. Louis. This is Arch Madness. Make your plans for the 2018 State Farm NBC Men's Basketball Championship, March 1st through 4th at Scott Trade Center. Presented by Fox Sports Midwest. For tickets, call 800-745-3000 or visit archmadness.com. The Missouri Valley Conference, celebrating 25 years in women's athletics. The Inside the Valley podcast previewing men's basketball as we uh, approach the start of the conference part of the season. It's finals week uh, around the Valley for many teams. And uh, to get things started here as we uh, talk about what's happening thus far in an impressive non-conference season for Valley men's basketball teams. We start the top of the alphabet here in the Missouri Valley Conference with Bradley and none other than the voice of the Braves himself, Mr. Dave Snell. Dave, thanks for taking time to talk with me about a little Bradley, Bradley basketball. Always great to talk to you, Derek, and uh, looking forward to it. It's uh, it's a different look to the Braves, and uh, they're playing uh, quite well here in the uh, preseason, but we know what's ahead with the Valley because uh, they've done very well in the non-conference. We root for everybody, and then uh, then we knock each other around for a couple of months and then go to St. Louis. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? You, you say that it, it's for us in the conference office, it's always fun because we just become big cheerleaders when it's not non-conference play. And it's great because we've got all these teams playing so well. Uh, the Braves are one of many teams at eight and two now after last night's uh, big win over uh, Little Rock. I will talk about that a little bit in a minute. But I want to just get your perspective, someone that's seen the team here uh, since the start of the season, uh, eight and two, undefeated at home. Uh, you mentioned a, a different look for the Braves this year. Your overall sort of, uh, if you take a, a global look at the team thus far in 2017, uh, what have you seen from the Braves? Well, first of all, the, their off season. These guys started as uh, getting beat quite a bit as freshmen and uh, made some improvement last year, but still weren't competitive. Now their bodies are, you know, they're they're turning into young men instead of uh, boys. Out of, out of high school trying to uh, feel their way. And in the case of uh, four student athletes, they were from uh, overseas. So they had, to, uh, they had to adjust not only to college life, but to life in America and uh, those types of things. Now they've made that adjustment. And Brian has carefully you know, crafted this and done it right, taken the lumps the first two years. And now instead of teaching all the time, they know pretty much what he wants to run and what's expected for him. So a lot of the things are done in practice of uh, perfecting what they already know and uh, playing really hard. Uh, their strength, obviously, you can tell the uh, statistics defensively. That's been pretty much a constant, with the exception of the uh, first true road game they had at San Diego State where they weren't competitive. The rest of the time, they, uh, they really go to the boards, and that's not something that we've had recently uh, here at Bradley. And... Um, and they really, they really bear down and play defense. Their offense is starting to catch up. So uh, you can just tell the progression 
of what Brian has wanted to do and put in and, and now come to fruition. They're not a, they're not a perfect team, uh, but they continue to get better every day. And I, uh, I think that's what every team in the Valley wants to do is, uh, you know, just get better and better and better and get ready for a, a tough run in the Valley. One of the things that's always sort of been a note of Bradley is that how the youth that you talked about them growing up uh, and even this year, one senior on the roster uh, and Dante Thomas sort of playing that leadership role. Uh, but still, this this team has growth to do. And I'm, I'm sure part of that that process was the non-conference schedule put together, prepping them for Valley play. But I, I got to tell you, from what you know, looking an outsider's view of what they've done so far, being competitive, especially on the road, and I'm looking specifically at the uh, the games they had in the Bahamas, playing some decent quality teams uh, and, and take it going toe to toe with them. That's got to you know be a, a great positive sign for for Coach Brian Wardle. You know, Derek, the thing is they've they've played a lot of teams that grind. Delaware gr- uh, was a grinding team. Uh, Georgia Southern was a grinding team and a uh, grinding team, and certainly Vermont was. So they can play that style. And then they had to play uh, Texas San Antonio and up and down the floor team. Uh, to some extent, uh, last night's game was uh, more of an up and down uh, game. But uh, to be honest with you, Little Rock does not shoot the ball very well and doesn't take care of it very well. And they have faced size in Vermont and uh, five players, six ten or better with uh, San Diego State. So they have played different styles. And so... And, and Chad Klein and I, when we do the games, we say that team plays like Northern Iowa. They go inside out, Bennett Cook to a shooter, you know, that type of thing. And, and uh, two, we've seen a lot of 2-3 zone. Illinois State has been primarily 2-3 zone because of their, uh, they've had a couple injury issues and they have kind of a short roster. So they're trying to maximize playing time with their starters. So they have seen a lot of different styles that we will see in Valley play. And uh, that has been uh, that's been very good. And he's incorporating two two freshmen that are playing quite a bit now. One is Elijah Childs from Kansas City, and he started last night actually. And uh, Ryan Stepanovich, who is from uh, Dismet, is just getting better and better. He's he plays with a little bit of a a swagger and uh, can really shoot the ball. So they are incorporating those guys in with uh, obviously the two classes ahead of them, and and they're. Uh, Again, they're not they're not a perfect product yet, but uh, you can see the growth. Yeah, I was going to ask you about some individuals. Uh, when I look at the the stats for the Braves so far this year, Daryl Brown obviously leading scoring at twelve point six a game. But uh, Elijah Childs is going to be my first question because he's uh, seven point nine, you know, fourth leading scorer in the team. And then I, I as watching the ESPN three broadcast uh, last night, they mentioned that Ryan Sapanovich seeing more time in the rotation, uh, and he saw you know a great deal of playing time last night. Um, how are those two guys really uh, fitting into the team? And, and have you seen much of their progress? I know as a freshman, it's got to be, you know, almost night and day. Because I'm thinking to myself, just me personally, I saw Ryan Stepanovich playing here in St. Louis yeah. uh, one year ago at a, a holiday tournament. And here I am sitting at home. And he's on ESPN3 playing at, at Carver Arena. I've, I've got to think those guys have sort of uh, taken in stride. And, and from the looks of it, they're sort of uh, fitting in pretty well. They are uh, Elijah Childs. You can tell as a freshman when this guy grows into his body, uh, he is going to be a, a, a big impact player in the Valley. He has a very soft shot. He uh, he goes hard to the offensive boards. Player that 
that Bradley has not had in a while. And Stepanovich, obviously the genes run well. Yes. Uh, so uh, he can really shoot. He, he's got to learn to play defense. I mean, that's that's the biggest issue for any freshman really coming in because he's obviously got the offensive skills. And again, he uh, he plays older thus far than the freshman uh, that he is in class. So those two guys have mixed in very well with the uh, the returnees, and uh, they're they're much much deeper this year. Before they could only go six or seven. And the other thing, Derek, is uh, uh, Delo Dwayne Lodiagunle. He is uh, he has adapted to the role of a defensive stopper and a rebounder. He doesn't have to score. And that's a long way from his freshman year when he was a point guard, which he had never played before. Looking at last night's game, you mentioned Little Rock, you know, not not that not a great performance from them. But uh, for the Braves, something of interesting to note is that that win last night, uh, you have four, four, four Braves in double figures or five in double figures, obviously, uh, actually. Uh, but a 40 point win, the first time they've done that in a number of years, since 2000, the year 2000, they uh, defeated Northern Iowa on February 5th. I think having games like that has got to do great things for their confidence, right? Yeah, it does. And then they play at Chicago State on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure <laughs> out that uh, they are struggling. They they rarely play home games. Yeah. They're mostly bought. Yeah, and this is uh, one of the few times it's a two for one. So Bradley, who has a tremendous, which has a tremendous alumni base in Chicago, uh, likes to play up there as much as they can, and so they're playing this game in an old gymnasium. It's their old place, so uh, I'm sure hoping that they have uh, put an internet to socket in there for us. <laughs> you never know sometimes what At you're least getting for your for your benefit, so you can be on the air, right? Yeah, or I'll be doing it on a cell phone, <laughs> and that's been done before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I when I look through some of the uh, the, the rest of the conference, comparing the Braves with them, so I, I mentioned at the top as we started recording, uh, we've got Loyola right now at ten and one, and we'll talk about the, your your view of the league as a whole. I know you you lock in on the Braves, but uh, Bradley's one, two, three. We have four teams at eight and two overall, and Missouri State at nine and three, uh, but. With the departure, it's been so much made about the departure of Wichita State, and and we know what Valpo's brings to the table. But they've had some success in the non-conference as well. Globally, for the Valley, uh, when when you know Coach Brian Wardle, the rest of the team and the staff there look at what's coming up in conference play, uh, how prepared do you think they are uh, getting ready uh, for for the start of conference play? Because obviously, that's what non-conference is. You want to play games, you know, to prepare your team, obviously, but also get ready for uh, conference play it seems like it, it could be quite a battle once we uh, turn the page into the new year or obviously before the new year because we do have conference games before uh january one but it could be quite a, a battle here uh in in the winter as we uh, head into arch madness well first of all the, the great thing about espn3 and there are a number of positives first of all for the students and getting a yes. chance to you know to hone their skills but secondly uh you get to watch everybody and I have got a pretty good thorough knowledge of the rest of the okay. league just by watching the games and uh, Drake's performance the other night against Minnesota. Yes. I mean, uh, you know how they play, they, they still have the ability to shoot the three. They move the ball very well. They look like they're very well coached. They're a little bit better defensively than they have been before. So I think in taking your point, 
is that all of the uh, the coaches and the uh, staffs around the the league are saying, why not us? You know, Wichita's gone, so somebody else is going to win, and why can't it be us? And I think every that is uh, preached probably daily to every team in the league. And that's I I really believe that's why the league is performing so well is because everybody thinks that they can be the one, and every team has had um, monumental performances uh, captured by, of course, what Loyola did at uh, at Florida. And um, it'll be interesting to see what Valpo does with uh, Northwestern, and everybody's getting ready. So there are no secrets. Uh, I, Teak Bowl is out, and that has really hurt uh, Southern Illinois. Illinois State played without uh, Fane, and um, they're a big kid in the middle, so they're a little bit shorthanded. But uh, you can see the athletes that uh, that these teams have, and I think it's I think it's great. It's going to be uh, terrific for the regular season, and I think more people will be involved and attend Arch Madness this year because where you had Wichita State that was pretty much head and shoulders better than everybody else and trying to knock them off. Now you have everybody coming down there and saying, why not us? I think it's going to be terrific. And I also like to pass along my congratulations to Doug Elgin uh, for being named to the Missouri hall of fame. Uh, It's it's a great honor and uh, one well-deserved for, for a guy that's taken the Missouri Valley conference and bringing it about six notches up and running the best conference tournament in the country. So uh, congratulations to Doug. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure, uh, He'll uh, if done if he doesn't hear it, I'll be able to pass along word. But uh, a great honor for well, him. Well, he's real it's... happy because he's got Stanton now, so uh, <laughs> he'll be real happy. Yeah, Doug is the uh, the Yankee fan. It's also interesting because now in our, in our office, as Doug gets inducted in January, Patty Viverita also has been inducted to the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. So that tells oh, you what those two mean to the Valley and, and college athletics as a whole. The difference that they've made. Uh, it's been it's been for me quite a learning experience to learn from those two. Uh, day in, yeah, day Patty out, is so. coming up here for a, a, a game day luncheon. Absolutely, to celebrate the 25 years of uh, women's athletics at uh, in the valley. So, uh, yeah, and the and the women's team's making strides too up here. Yeah. so it's it's good. It's really good here. Everybody's pretty excited here in Peoria. Great, great. Well, as you mentioned, the Braves have Chicago State on a Saturday. A, a visit then to Southeast Missouri State, December 20. Uh, then they head for a big one with Ole Miss on December 22nd. And then conference play begins for Bradley December 28th at Drake, uh, 7 p.m. They start out with Drake uh, hosting UNI and then hosting Valpo on January 3rd. So uh can't believe it's already time. It's funny because I usually, I usually do these in the preseason, but I wanted to get a different look and let the season play out to see, get – uh, folks' thoughts on on what the team looks like. So it's been good to see the success that the Valley's had uh, in this uh, part of the the season. And now with conference play, before we start beating each other up, uh, hopefully the uh, the conference RPI will, will remain high. Yeah, I hope so too. And one of the big kicks for me is to is when we start to Valley play is to see my brethren and the on the other uh, and the other schools because they're just they're wonderful broadcasters. They're wonderful people and. It's, it's always great to have that reunion with them. So I'm looking forward to it. And then uh, we've got some business to take care of before uh, that. But uh, the season goes fast. I'll tell you, it seems like it's a, it just flies by. So enjoy every minute of it. Absolutely. Before I let you go, I got one quick question for you. So with our new member Valparaiso joining the league, I promised their beat writer, Paul Oren, that I would check in with each uh, radio guy or beat writer to get their thoughts. What's one place in Peoria 
that he should visit if it's for a meal or if it's for the you know, checkout for entertainment value. If you had to pick, give him one suggestion on when he had a second to visit for, let's just go with a meal. Let's just stick with that, with the restaurant. Where would you send Paul Warren or, or anyone from Valpo in Peoria? Alexander's Steakhouse. There you go. Off of, uh, off of Adams downtown. It's probably about uh, two miles on, uh, on Adams Street. And, uh, then, then turn right on, uh, on Alexander Street. That's that. That would be the number one for me. I had a guess that that was coming, but I, I like to just set this <laughs> up. I, I've got my favorite spots around the league now. I've been, I've been around for a little bit, but I, yeah. I just wanted to hear it from, uh, from someone there. <laughs> okay. All right, Derek. Good to talk with you, and uh, look forward to seeing you in person. And thanks for all you do for the league. Absolutely, sir. Thanks again for your time, and uh, we'll definitely uh, see each other soon. The administrators, educators, coaches, and fans of the Missouri Valley Conference expect nothing but the best from their teams. And the Valley student-athletes take pride in exceeding that expectation. On the field, on the court, on the track, and in the classroom. Celebrating academic and athletic excellence for more than 100 years, this is the Missouri Valley Conference. The Inside the Valley podcast continues as we preview all the Missouri Valley Conference men's basketball teams as we get ever so close to uh, the start of conference play, but with still some non-conference games to go. And right now we turn our attention to the Evansville Purple Aces, and I'm pleased to be joined by a beat writer from the Evansville Courier and Press, Pat Hickey. Pat, thanks so much for uh, taking time to talk with me about the Aces. Derek, great to be here. I love love the idea, and I'm uh, looking forward to to listening to um, you know, all the all the different teams and the podcasts that uh, that are coming out in the in the next week or so. Yeah, hopefully this is uh, serves as a little bit of point because it, it's been really interesting because we've been so successful in the non conference portion of the schedule this year. So it's, instead of doing these at the beginning of the season before games are played, a little bit different, different look with us having the success in the non-conference part of the schedule. But I'll talk with you, get your thoughts on the, uh, the rest of the Valley. But of course you see the, the ACES uh, more than I do. I've seen them on ESPN three. Um, of course the injury bug is probably the one thing that sort of uh, jumps to the forefront. But before we get there, I want to talk about what the ACES have done up to this point. Um, they've had some great success. And I think they may have been one of the teams you know, coming into the start of the year with a little bit, bit of an unknown. Uh, mm-hmm. But right now, as they stand 8-2, and two, uh, wins over Arkansas State, uh, some great success in Cancun uh, against Fresno State with the win. It came up just short against Louisiana Tech. But uh, when you, you know, characterize the, the start of the season for, for the Purple Aces, uh, how would you put that into words? It's been, it's been a surprise. Uh, you know, definitely a, a pleasant surprise for the Aces. You know, they came into the year, picked ninth in the Valley, and uh, you know, this is just my first year covering the team, so all I have to rely on, for the most part, um, aside from the handful of games I watched last year, was just kind of the outsiders' expectations. You know, like you said, they were they came into the year kind of a, a as a unknown, um, with half their team gone from from last year, a lot of newcomers that we didn't really know too much about. Um, so to start out eight and two. Um, and it's it's been a, a pretty good eight and two. It's, you know they they went down to that Cancun challenge uh, right around Thanksgiving, and uh, you know they go one and one down there. But it wasn't you know they beat Fresno State, who is their best non-conference win so far of the of the year. Um, 
Fresno State continues to win. I think they're up to like 65 in the in the Ken Palm rankings. So, um, you know, they win that game to to go to the championship game against La Tech, and uh, really they should have won that game. But uh, Ryan Taylor was hurt the previous game and wasn't. Um, you know, he played in that La Tech game, but wasn't at full strength. So they they could have very easily you know come out of that two and zero. They lost on a last second three. Um, that was kind of just a broken up mess of a play, yeah. but, um, yeah, they, I mean, you look at it and they could, they could be nine and one or, you know, and I, I don't know who, who really predicted that before. This season. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's been a pleasant surprise. I think one thing that's sort of been catching everyone's attention is just how much better and it's, it bodes well for the future that the bottom of the league has gotten. And that's one thing that sort of has helped boosted the conference RPI. Um, when, when you look at the aces, the individual, um, now, this is where the, the injury bug is probably going to really play a point because Ryan Taylor, Drew Smith, or Ryan Taylor, 21.3 points per game, Drew Smith behind him at 12.4. Those two guys now hit with the injury bug. Um, I, I got to think, you know, again, another unknown as, as the, uh, the Aces play out the rest of the non-conference guards are going to Valley play. But um, who you think, who, who steps up into the role now to, to help be a difference maker? You would think Blake Simmons. He's, he's the third leading scorer at 11.1 as I look at the stats today. Could he see some uh, increased uh, uh, point production? I think he could. Um, you know, I remember you know, after Ryan Taylor went down, you know, near the end of, end of November, um, you know, asking, asking Marty Simmons, the coach, and, um, you know, the rest of the guys like Drew, like, you know, Evansville's always had that, that one guy, yes. obviously, you know, lead the, lead the Valley and, and scoring the last four years has come out of Evansville. Um, so their, their offense really uh, seems to be funneled through that one guy. So you're always wondering. And, um, you know, after Ryan Taylor went down, the logical uh, guy was Drew Smith, but Drew is more of like a facilitator, like, the, you know, being, being the guy, you know, the 20 point scorer, that that's not really his game. You know, he likes to, he likes the game to come to him and, you know, he likes to you know get his teammates involved more than scoring, but, you know, he, he realized he needed to, needed to step up the, the scoring load and, and look for a shot more and certainly did that before getting hurt, um, you know, this past week with winning uh, the Valley player of the week. Um, so who's next after that? Um your guess is as good as mine. Um, <laughs> you know, Blake Simmons uh, has would probably be the most logical choice. I, I would agree with that. Um, you know, third leading scorer um, can certainly shoot it from outside. I, I can't remember off the top of my head what he's shooting from from three this year, but um, it's got to be over 45 percent yeah so as i look at the stats I've, it, it shows him on at, at a 525.525 so 52 percent pretty good man and <laughs> 20, ue doesn't shoot 40. yeah ue doesn't shoot like a ton of threes um but they're they're hitting a lot of i think uh, i just checked before i i hopped on um the podcast with you they're they're still leading the country in in field goal percentage uh right around 47 percent i yep. think um yep. So, yeah, I don't – I'm going to go to practice later today and kind of ask the, the similar question, like, who's it going to be now? And um, I'm going to get, you know, sort of the same stuff. You know, hopefully it's more of a, a balanced, you know, collective approach. But, yeah, I, I would say Blake Simmons would be the most logical choice to kind of uh, take over a little bit more. When I look at the stats and diving deeper into them and, you know, collectively as a team – 
they've got to, and we, we've seen those stats about their three-point shooting and their field goal shooting overall. Just as you mentioned, um, looking here at the team stats, uh, 48% and uh, three points, 49. They've got to be one of the more efficient uh, teams of the country. Is that what's sort of been keying some of their, their victories uh, in the non-conference por season, por portion of the season that they've just been shooting the ball at a clip that's sort of helped them stay, stay afloat? I think so, for sure. Um, you know, they've just obviously, you know, when you're leading the country in threes, um, it's certainly not a bad thing. Right. But um, I think, I don't know, if you look maybe at some of uh, some of the metrics, just like where they are offensively and defensively, their their defense has been kind of more impressive, but um, not even so much in points allowed per game because, um, you know, they want – you know, they, they play at a, a pretty uh, methodical pace, just like Northern Iowa. Um, okay. I think they, they might, this year, I think this may be Marty's most uh, um, methodical team in terms of, you know, average uh, possession length. Um, you know, that that's what they want to do um, is just kind of wear teams out on the offensive end, find that best shot. Uh, and they've done that fairly well so far um i don't know if marty simmons would agree with that but <laughs> um defensively yeah they've been they've been pretty good um i don't i'm not sure how many of the teams they've held to you know under like 65 points but it's got to be the vast majority yeah. uh so yeah defensively you know they've been they they've done well and then on the offensive end they they've just been lights out from three so those those are the those are the two big things so far I'm always curious about uh, individual players and especially freshmen, um, you know, new players coming to the league and, and how they acclimate, acclimate themselves to Division One game. Uh, UE's got three freshmen on the roster in uh, John Hall, redshirt freshman, Evan Coleman, and Noah Frederick, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yes. And it, it looks like he's seen, of those three, uh, uh, a little bit more playing time uh, from what I see, uh, played in all 10 games and actually started in four of them uh, with five points a game. Uh, what do you see from from Noah that that's been that's been impressive thus far? Yeah, he's uh, when Ryan Taylor went down, uh, Frederick King was was the guy that basically took his spot in the in the starting lineup. Okay. Um, so he started the last four games since then. Um, uh, you know, just a freshman, but six three, uh, six three, six four shooting guard um, who can really shoot. He's from small town in, in Illinois. Uh, goodness, I don't want to butcher the pronunciation of it, but I think it's Oakville. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> so class A um, went to the state championship game last year. Um, I guess sort of similar to you know Marty Simmons out of high school, averaged a lot of points at a at a small, you know, Illinois school and and did well. And Marty really seems to like him, um, obviously starting, you know, as a freshman, uh, but he can um, I don't know that his, his shooting percentages right now really reflect the, the how good of a shooter he is, but um, offensively he's he's been uh, he's really really clicked within within the offense, um, and that's not easy to do as a freshman coming in and trying to learn um, you know kind of a complex uh, motion offense that Marty runs. The rest of the, the, the remainder of the non-conference schedule for the Aces, Austin P on Saturday, December 16th, uh, Midway on December 17th, and uh, a trip to Durham, North Carolina to take on the Duke Blue Devils on Wednesday, 
December 20th. We were talking before we started recording. You're uh, going to head to that game in Dur- Dur- Durham, North Carolina, correct? Correct. Yes. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I've been down to that triangle area a couple times, uh, had a summer internship down there. And um, so I've been nearby. I've been on the Duke campus and everything, but I've never actually been in Cameron. So I'm I'm really looking forward to, you know, seeing the crazies. Yeah. Uh, the Duke game, notwithstanding, obviously uh, a game against Austin P. A, a decent opponent that could really, you know, we can really find out more about this team, especially now with the injuries and having two significant role players uh, down for some time uh, as the conference play begins. But um, a chance for them to sort of uh, maintain their legs underneath them before they have to roll in and back home for Illinois State to start conference play on the 23rd. And then a really, really good Loyola team as well. When you've seen what you've seen from the rest of the Valley, uh, what's been your uh, reaction to it? Especially, you know what, another thing is the injury book. I think that's one thing that's also been impressive that we've sort of had maintained some of the success, but the the league itself with, with all these uh, great non-conference performance, we've still had a number of players uh, outside of Evansville at Loyola and Southern Illinois. They've also been hit by the injury bug as well, but teams are still playing at a high level. Yeah. Um, I wrote about it a little bit yesterday. Um, you know, UE, uh, they've lost pretty much their two best players for, you know, a month, but you look around at the league and um, there's just injuries everywhere with, you know, Southern Illinois, they finally get Marcus Bartley back, um, but they, their, their big shot blocker down low and thick bowl is out. I'm sure I'm missing another guy, but you go up to Valpo, their, their best player and uh, um, Ted, oh, I don't want to mispronounce it. Tavon, okay, yeah. Tavon Walker. Um, you know, he's got mono out indefinitely. Uh, Loyola's starting backcourt, you know, yeah. is out. Um, so it's for for the Valley to, to be doing what what they're doing uh, in the non-conference is, you know, with all these injuries is really impressive. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for conference play because it'll be interesting uh, with with the success to see now uh, comparably to see how everyone is, because we've seen some, some players come out of nowhere and those that we've already already expected to be a significant role players for a team, make a difference as well. So it'll be fun with conference play begins, uh, before Christmas and heading to the new year. So Pat, let the folks know how they can follow you and, and, and read your work online. Well, I, uh, like you said, I work uh, at the Evansville Courier and press, and then I really only have one social media platform that is at, uh, Pat P A T M as in Michael and then Hickey, I uh, know, funny, funny last name, uh, H-I-C-K-E-Y. Um, I don't tweet a ton. I try not to, to blow up your timeline or anything, but um, I try to give some, some, some good scoops, I guess, every now and then. Well, we always appreciate the work that our medium folks do. Uh, we know you guys have a job to do and, and you guys conduct yourselves professional level and we do what we can to assist in all levels. And, and uh, we'll definitely probably be hearing from you, if not soon. Uh, coaches teleconferences begin the beginning of the year, so a uh, good chance to interact as well. But I uh, really appreciate you taking time to talk aces and uh, ready for the conference season to, to begin. Yes, Derek, thank, thanks for having me on. It should be a, a pretty uh, grueling start for the for the Valley season for, for the Aces with Illinois State and then Loyola to, to end the year. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun, but it'll be a, a, a good challenge for all teams ahead as we uh, get ready for what should be hopefully a, an interesting addition of Arch Madness as well as we uh, head into March. So thanks again for your time, sir. Thanks, Derek.
Looking for the latest on the Missouri Valley Conference? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MVC Sports and Facebook.com slash Missouri Valley Conference. And of course, MVC-Sports.com is the official website of the Valley. Continuing to preview NBC men's basketball here on the Inside the Valley podcast. My name is Derek Dockett, Missouri Valley Conference. And right now we turn our attention to the preseason favorites, the Missouri State Bears. And right now I'm pleased to be joined by the voice of the Missouri State Bears, Art Haynes. Art, how are things going in Springfield? Going great. Derek, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, a Friday. The holiday season's here. I know there's finals going on and around uh, all of our campuses and, and, and at Missouri State. I saw online that there was a commencement going on. So uh, I'm sure with the, the week off for the student-athletes, a little bit of downtime for you before getting back into things, before the Bears uh, uh, welcome Wright State to town uh, in their next ball game. You bet. It was pretty hectic for a while in a span from November 10th to December 10th. The Bears played 12 games in 30 yeah. days. Yeah. So a nine-day stretch here without a game, I think good for everybody to recharge. Uh, the the non-conference, and there's one game to go, as you mentioned, against Wright State, really went pretty well except for the last one. Yeah. And uh, that's the one that everybody's thinking about right now. If they say you're only as good as your last game, it wasn't very good against Oral Roberts, and the Bears have had to kind of stew on that uh, during the, the intervening days before their next game. Yeah, let's talk about the non-conference part of the schedule for the Bears so far. I, I, I think a lot's been made uh, of what this team could be. And, you know, Alizé Johnson, obviously at the forefront, uh, you know, the, the, what his future might be post-Missouri State. But right now, uh, the team sits 9-3 and three overall, uh, wins over Western Kentucky. I think a win there on the road to start the season, that, that was one the same night where Indiana State uh, knocked off Indiana. One where we're kind of like, wow, this is impressive uh, what the Bears can do. Um, coming up a little short, that, that, that game against North Dakota State in Springfield and Georgia, South, Georgia Southern, but that, that streak that they went on before coming up short to Oral Roberts was really impressive, especially uh, the, against the Dakota State School, South Dakota State, North Dakota State. This team has been impressive when they uh, string these wins together, and, and Alizé Johnson has not been the only one doing it, which has been impressive to me. Right. I mean, Alizé was scoreless for only the second time in his Missouri State career in the Valley Mountain West Challenge game, and the Bears still beat Colorado State by 10. So that was an encouraging uh, thing that other players were able to step up. Now, he had a bad game at Oral Roberts on Sunday, and keep going back to that, but uh, that was a, a very negative performance. But as you mentioned, prior to that, the sweep of the Dakota schools, South Dakota State's one of the most talented teams the Bears have played so far. Played at the Pentagon, allegedly a neutral facility. It's in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. All the fans were for the Jackrabbits. It was really a neat environment. Uh, it's, uh, as you may be aware, a fairly new facility made to look like an old South Dakota high school gym. And uh, they've done a great job of that. And great hosts, and the Bears beat them by 20. And then went up to Fargo and played a North Dakota State team that they had lost to at home. A very tempo-oriented game. We think back to the days of Charlie Spoonhour. That's how the Bears used to beat other people. Sure. Run the shot clock and, and uh, really frustrate you and make you play defense for the, the full time. And, and then maybe you get caught up in the trying to force a tempo and jack up a quick, a quick shot. And that's kind of what happened to the Bears that night and credit to the Bison. But then Missouri State was able to go up there and take care of business and win by 13 in the rematch. Uh, Georgia Southern is a good team. Uh, that's a really good team. They've been RPI top 40 all year. That was the Bears' only loss in Florida in a tournament. And as you suggest, the opening night win at Western Kentucky 
great atmosphere there, older facility. They had a good crowd, kind of hostile, and uh, a lot of things going against them. So by and large, I mean, there were people in Springfield and the Ozarks that thought this was not a very strong non-conference schedule, and I think it's turned out to be a little stronger than they thought. Yeah, as the the season goes on, these other teams play their non-conference games. That's what's uh, uh, showing up on on the the ratings uh, charts out there. We talked a little bit about Alizé Johnson's performance, but to me, when I look at the, the, the stats for the team individually, um, the two names directly underneath him in the, in the scoring column, so Alizé's at 14.2 points a game, but Reggie Scurry and JT Miller, I think are names that you know traditional Valley fans may not remember because of them not showing up or, or don't, won't know them. But if you can, hit on what they bring to the table for this team. I, I see that Scurry, he hasn't started the game, but he's appeared in all of them. So is he apparently the first guy off the bench for the Bears? He is. Normally, Coach Lusk will maybe bring two or three at once off the bench, okay. and he's always one of that first group. He's a JUCO transfer from the same junior college where we got Jared Rhodes a year ago in Oklahoma, and he has got a sweet shot. I mean, you look at a, a guy who's uh, – uh, maybe a four shooting 60%, and you figure, well, that's all right around the basket. It's not very much in his case. He's gotten some putbacks, but he's got a really good mid-range shot. He's a good free-throw shooter. He's a good all-around player and uh, really uh, hard to contain for opponents. So he's been a, a good lift off the bench. J.T. Miller scored almost 1,000 points at Howard University, Division One school, and he's a fifth-year graduate transfer. Not really a pure shooter, but he's a scorer. He's always moving toward the rim, uh, moving like a shark, always going forward. And uh, he, for most of the year, has been the Bears' second-leading scorer and now is in the starting lineup, and we're 7-1 and one with him as a starter. Wow. So that's a guy that, based on what he had done before at Howard in Division One. Uh, I felt like would be an instant contributor, and obviously uh, you better be. It's your one and only year here, but yeah. uh, he has not been a disappointment. This this team is is always sort of appeared that they 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 were going to have the role players do the things necessary. I think that's probably one of the the uh, mentality of, of Bears teams, even going back to the past. Uh, but you think of Ryan Krecklow, the shooter, Obadiah Church in the middle, controlling the paint and a, a shot blocker and athleticism. Um, Jared Dixon being a, a, a nice player out on the swing for the team. And when these guys put everything together, what do you see as, as you know, what's working the best for them? Is it, you know, offensive? They, 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 have, they, they seem to have some, some sort of minor struggles on the defensive end. But what's the key to this team's performance going forward? Well, I mean, the things that Coach Lusk has always emphasized are first, rebounding. And it's been a very strong rebounding team, plus about nine and a half differential per game. And then the other is defense. That's become more and more of a, uh, a mantra of the team. And I think that was shown uh, no better than in the South Dakota State game. I mean, they hung 50 on Wichita State yeah. in Wichita in a half. Yeah. And and led the Shockers well into the second half before losing. Well, the Bears held them to 53 for the whole game up at Sioux Falls. So that was really a good defensive performance. Maybe not so much so the last couple of games against Hampton and Oral Roberts, where maybe the team was getting a little tired and maybe not as uh, uh, paying as much respect as they should to those particular opponents. But I'd say defense and rebounding have been the two things, meaning that when the ball goes in from the perimeter, they're pretty hard to beat. And that has been hot and cold. It was cold during a lot of the season, and, and Alizé has really not gotten his shot yet. 
and you know he's six nine. We've had NBA scouts at just about every game. What makes him special is his ball handling ability and his three point shot. And there are a lot of six nine guys that can uh, get rebounds and putbacks and be good around the rim, but uh, he can go coast to coast with his guard skills and uh, then shoot the three. Well, this year he's shooting 22% from three. And it, it's almost getting to be, with the exception of the Colorado State game, as Alizé goes, so go the Bears. Everybody yeah. else has got their roles, but he's the main guy. He's the preseason player of the year in the conference. And uh, as as he gets more and more uh, back into full basketball rhythm from, from having missed those six weeks with a preseason knee injury, then I think we'll see the real Alizé Johnson. That was exactly what I was going to ask if you thought the uh, preseason injury uh, was still uh, having any lingering effects. There seems to be an injury bug going around the league with a number of players, number of significant role players uh, being uh, out with some time and didn't know where, where he was with his health. Is he getting closer to 100%? Yeah, he's going pretty good. Okay. I think he just had a bad game at Earl okay. Roberts, and so did the team. Uh, but I, I think we were seeing before that he was starting to string together some 20-point, 10-plus rebound games, and, and that's the Alizé that we know from last year. Well, of media day, there's a lot made about the state of the Valley. And as we know now, where we stand here as we talk on December 15th, the non-conferences have been pretty good for the league overall. Uh, the Bears won those teams at 9-3. and three. We've got uh, uh, Loyola with 10 wins already and a host of teams at 8-2 and two with 8 wins already on the season. Um, globally, from your standpoint, you've been around this league uh, longer than I have, quite frankly. Uh, you know, going into this year, no one sort of really knew what to expect. But uh, when you see what the league has done and uh, a conference RPI and the, you know, five, six, seven, eight range lingering around the last couple of weeks, what are your thoughts uh, about what's happening around the Missouri Valley Conference? Yeah, it seems to be uh, that the reports of the Valley's demise are greatly exaggerated uh, with that RPI number. I know it's been 12, 13 the last couple of years with Wichita State. And uh, we may have dragged the whole league down a slot with the Oral Roberts loss on Sunday, but number eight last I heard. And, you know, people have been saying, well, it's one bid league, it's one bid league. Well, not necessarily. I mean, if you're in the seven, eight category, and most of the hay's in the barn now with the, yeah. the non-conference Absolutely. games after this, everybody just plays each other. Uh, it should stay pretty close to that. And if you're in that range and an individual team is maybe – uh, in the the low 40s or or better on the final RPI, you got a chance to get more than one. Yeah, yeah. The Bears have one more non-conference game left, as we mentioned, at home against Wright State on December 19th. It's coming Tuesday, but then they jump right into league play, hosting uh, Loyola on December 22nd, and then uh, visiting Valparaiso, the league newcomer, on New Year's Eve, December 31st, uh, three o'clock, and then Northern Iowa. So. Uh, you know, some some heavy competition. And after that, Illinois State after Northern Iowa. So the Bears are jumping thick into the fray with uh, uh, teams that, you know, have traditionally con con contended in the league. And, you know, Valparaiso, the newcomer, seeing what they're all about. So uh, anything in particular you're excited to see from any other league team as we uh, get conference play underway? Well, I mean, Loyola's win at Florida, obviously, was a, a great win for the league. And uh, I, I think that was very encouraging. But like you say, looking at uh, the Bears' uh, starting schedule in the conference, uh, those are the teams picked at least to be the top contenders. It's going to be a huge game a week from Friday when Loyola comes in and then Valparaiso up there on New Year's Day and then Northern Iowa, which is always tough, and everybody has so much respect for Coach Jacobson. So uh, I'd like to think, and history never completely repeats itself, but it'd be kind of like 2011 when the Bears got wins over Northern Iowa, Creighton, and Wichita State early in the conference yeah. season and won it. Uh, you, you got kind of an equivalent for 2018 there, but uh, the outcome obviously remains to be seen. 
Well, it'll be fun to see how this all uh, plays itself out. We've got a long way to go until March, but like I said, conference play is already here, and I'm sure March will be here before we know it. So, all right, I really appreciate your time, sir. Thanks so much, and uh, enjoy the weekend. Thanks for talking basketball with me. Thanks, Derek. Anytime. My pleasure. I failed to follow up with Pat Hickey and Art Haynes to get their suggestions on where to eat in Evansville and Springfield that I was wanting to pass along to the Valpo beat writer Paul Oren and Valparaiso fans that might be traveling around the Missouri Valley Conference. But Pat did let me know that he would suggest Gers House in Evansville, and a personal favorite of mine has always been Taroni's Pizza. In Springfield, personal favorites include Springfield Brewing Company and Ebbets Field, both unique places in those towns. Fans, do you have any suggestions for the Valparaiso fans and beat writer Paul Oren? You can shoot us a tweet at NBC Sports or Valley Hoops, and we'll be sure that we pass it along to Paul and the Valpo fans. Thanks for listening to the Inside the Valley podcast.